0: City Church, this is Eric with a moment of sanity at the start of your day, a moment of truth from God's Word, a moment of grace. The first Bible that I ever really read on my own was a red hardcover revised standard version that I was given at my confirmation at a Methodist church in Atlanta, Georgia. For a couple of years it stayed relatively untouched on my bookshelf, but when I decided to follow Jesus in 1991, older friends told me that I should start reading the Bible, so I got that Read, RSV off the shelf, and did what I was told. Throughout most of high school, I read that Bible every day, underlining passages that seemed important, scribbling notes in the margin with a blue ballpoint pen. During those high school years of Bible reading, one of the things I noticed about Scripture was the artfulness and beauty of some of its language, especially in the Psalms. I was a bit of a romantic at the time, a writer of pretty bad pubescent poetry, so my ear was being tuned to language. I remember reading Psalm 45, one of today's daily office lectionary readings, and being captured by its opening verse in the RSV. It says, My heart overflows with a noble theme as I address my verses to the king. My tongue is like the pen of a ready scribe. My heart overflows with a noble theme. I loved that. For the first time, I was catching the artistry of the ancient Hebrew scripture, the way it could, even in translation, capture some of the truest truths of the universe. Years later, when I first read the Westminster Standards, I discovered how theologians explain what I had stumbled across in that red Bible. Larger Catechism Question 4 asks, How does it appear that the Scriptures are the Word of God? And the answer begins, The Scriptures manifest themselves to be the Word of God by their majesty and purity. I had found the majesty of Scripture to stir our hearts and to waken our minds ask any pastor and they'll tell you that one of the great privileges of the job is officiating weddings when i preside at a wedding i always try to grab a few minutes with the bride and her attendants and then with the groom and the groomsmen just before the ceremony begins i read some scripture we pray together and often the bridesmaids and groomsmen do most of the praying it's a moment of calm in the midst of a whirlwind of a day it's a chance to catch our breath and steady our hearts before making lifelong promises For the last 20 years at these weddings, I read from Psalm 45. My heart overflows with a pleasing theme. As I address my verses to the king, my tongue is like the pen of a ready scribe. I explain that Psalm 45 is a wedding psalm. It narrates a royal wedding in Israel, and it starts by describing the groom, a king or a prince, handsome and blessed and strong and valiant. But then about halfway through, the perspective switches, and Psalm 45 describes the bride like this. All glorious is the princess in her chamber, with robes interwoven with gold. In many colored robes she is led to the king, with her companions following behind her. With joy and gladness they are led along as they enter the palace of the king. I like to point out that many of the symbols and rituals of weddings today are unchanged, rooted as they are in God's design of and purpose for marriage. I like to tell the bride and groom that their marriage is something much bigger than themselves, that they are participating in an institution with a rich history throughout time and across the world. Marriage is much bigger than a wedding day between two people. Then I read the last verse of Psalm 45. I will cause your name to be remembered in all generations. Therefore, nations will praise you forever and ever. And I begin to relativize marriage. I tell the bride, I tell the groom that as special as this day is, it isn't all about them. Generations are unlikely to remember their names. Nations won't praise them forever and ever. I tell them that Psalm 45 wasn't written just for them. In fact, it wasn't even written just about an Israelite king and his bride psalm 45 was written about jesus it was written about the church its majestic language its beautiful imagery is meant to point forward to that great and ultimate marriage between christ and his bride every wedding and every marriage at its core looks beyond itself to jesus paul makes this abundantly clear in ephesians 5 when after waxing poetic about the meaning of human marriage he says this mystery is profound and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. That's the pleasing theme. That's what will be remembered and celebrated forever in heaven. Human marriage has an expiration date, but Christ's marriage to his people endures forever. Whatever absence or loneliness we face in this life, whatever brokenness or hurt, whatever longing or shame, God sings a love song over us to the tune of Psalm 45. We are our beloveds and he is ours. Rest in that truth today, City Church. Stay well and do good. Good Morning City Church is a weekday podcast produced by the staff and members of City Church of Richmond, located in Richmond, Virginia. To learn more about us, please visit CityChurchRVA.com. That's C I T Y C H U R C H R V A.com. And thanks for listening.